ready. Oh, yeah, that's great. Hey, everybody, welcome to the film. Photo- Wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Film Photography Podcast. My name is Michael Rosso. I'm here with Mr. Matt Marash. Hey, how's it going, guys? And Mr. John Fideli. Hey, everybody. Today we have an action-packed show. Action-packed. Action-packed, We're going to be, uh, we're going to be having, we're going to be joined by guests. Yeah. We're going to be joined by the, we're going to be joined by the chief photographer over at thedarkroom.com, Mr. Trev Lee. Mr. Trev Lee. We're going to be joined by Caleb Savage from the Bushwick Community Darkroom. Cool. And then later on, Mr. Sean Augustin, 4x5 large format shooter, mm-hmm. along with Joseph Joby Brunges. Joby. Oh, sweet. Po- folks listening, who are all these people? Well, just stick around and we're going to find out. We'll be back. <laughs> To demonstrate the superior color of new Kodak Gold 400 film, just open a box. It has the richest, most vivid color available in a high-speed film. New Kodak Gold 400. Fast film. True colors. Time to wake this show up. Hey, we're back. Joining us right now is Mr. Trev Lee from thedarkroom.com. For folks who... Hi, Trev. How's it going? We're doing great. Thank you for joining us, Trev. For folks who don't know, within six months of getting his first camera, Ohio native Trev Lee dropped out of college and enrolled in the Hallmark Institute of Photography. We have a a rebel on our hands here, folks. (laughs) He has been shooting film for over 10 years a passion that grew during his time living in the Yosemite Valley. There, he used photography as a means to get to know people and encourage others to step outside of their comfort zones. That's a great topic, too. Now he sees photography as a way to tell a story and capture the beauty of ordinary life. Trev lives in Sacramento with his wife and newborn daughter, working as chief photographer at the Darkroom Lab. And you create and coordinate all social media to help build and educate the film community. Welcome. Trev, also for social media, there's the very popular at the Darkroom Lab on Instagram. How's it been going? Yeah, how are you navigating this whole thing? Um, You know, it's a day-to-day thing, and it's something... It's interesting, because... I already work remotely, as you like read in the bio. I, I'm in Sacramento, and the darkroom labs down in San Clemente. So I'm already working remotely prior to this. Um, so you know, I'm always communicating with Keith and Phil, and getting their update, like their updates and what's going on, and then communicating that via social media. And but they're, I mean, they're working really hard. It's a day-to-day thing, um, and constantly adapting for the past two months and trying to keep their workers as safe as possible. They're basically working around the clock to keep up with uh, backlog and 
we've been temporarily suspending um, some services like cartridge film and um, disposable cameras, but that will hmm. of course come back once we're at full staff and are able to do that. But yeah, there's been a lot of challenges. I can go into that a little bit more if you'd like. Um, yeah, why but, disposable cameras? Um, they're more labor intensive and they're not our bread and butter in the sense of true 35 millimeter um, and 120 that's coming in. That's just more streamlined for us and our lab set up to do that, makes do that more effortlessly. Our workers are basically, they are working around the clock to spread out our staff so they're not bunched up and we're, you know, we're not having, we're giving them safe space. As many as possible are working remotely. They have their own keyboards, their own mouse, all their different own stuff so we don't have, so they can keep that clean and we're not passing like germs or anything like that. Um, but yeah, they have a great plan. They're doing well. Is have you guys noticed an uptick in certain types of film or certain services you you didn't think you would during this time? Um, not any specific things, but one thing we have seen an uptick that's surprising is new. We expected new customers that have had film developed from other labs because mm -hmm. because like other labs might not be open right now. We expected sure. that, but we actually something we haven't expected is a lot of people shooting film for the first time ever, mm -hmm. which is very interesting <clears throat> and really cool. And I think a lot of it's just, you know, the social media world like you guys, what we're doing, a lot of individuals out there are spending a lot more time they might be into photography and stuff like that and they're seeing some people that they may follow on social media shooting film and a lot of crossover photographers that are doing digital and uh film might be talking about film so then they're like i'm gonna i'm gonna try it so we've been seeing a lot more getting a lot of great notes and little mm. things coming in with our orders phil sending me a box of customer notes and letters and different things that people send in just in support and saying, Hey, this is my first time shooting film. Thanks for nice. being open. Stuff mm. like that. For so many weeks, folks were either not working or working at home. Uh, has that been any, any increase with just social media in general? Huge increase. And one of the positive things we've seen out of this, this period of time it's really cool to see and to encourage people where they're at. And we've always tried to like, we're film enthusiasts first, like mo majority. And I feel like that's something we both can relate to is like, we love the film enthusiasts, people that are just photographing everyday life. So we've kind of had this style where like, we're not like photograph what's around you, the people around you, what you're doing. And um, that's worked really well recently because most people are staying at home and limiting their interaction with like the community around them physically so it's been fun to encourage people to get creative in their own space to photograph the people that they are around and to be intentional with that mm -hmm. and we've been seeing that happening a lot more As, and on top of that we've been doing a film photography contest that encourages that uh, through Part, kind of partnered with Matt Day. We're using his um, his uh, little slogan, Document Your Life Film Photography Contest, to basically encourage people to photograph and share the stories of their current situation um, and share that 
with a photo. But yeah, that's going to the end of May. Oh, how how do people get involved with that? So the easiest way to do it is to go to thedarkroom.com and uh, just click in the photo blog. And there's the top one will be our photo competition. Or if you go to Instagram, our bio link will have it. You have three submissions. We want them to be one photo per submission. If they post multiple photos in one submission, we'll only consider the first one. It's been going on for two months, two and a half months now. We have around a thousand submissions and we're gonna go through and select a top 12. And then those top 12 will be put on our website to vote for roughly a week. And then the top three winners will get to first place. We get to select uh, from three cameras and it's a Fuji six by nine, uh, Ooh, the G three. Wow. Yeah. Um, nice. and then a Konica Hexar AF, um, and then a Canon a one. Wow. So, so if you win, you get to pick from those three second place gets to pick from the remaining two. And then third gets the remaining, which I imagine will be the Canon a one, but still a great camera. So I was going to ask you, like the governors here on the East Coast, who keep extending the stay-at-home, will you guys be extending the deadline? <laughs> well, what we did, we actually did extend it already. It was okay. supposed to be a couple of days ago that oh, it would okay. end. So we extended it. Um, so I I don't know if we're extended it again, but we definitely no. want to do... Don't enable people. Come on. <laughs> we definitely i don't think we we don't plan on that but we'll do right. more contests in the future if people can't get in on this one in fact uh where is it oh yeah we've been giving away stuff like just to entertain people and we're gonna be giving away oh that, that looks familiar so, hey yeah we have your color pack i put that nice. box together <laughs> yes, your own mitts <laughs> yeah there you go we're gonna be giving away these uh, right here, the sample pack. Nice. You guys. Yeah, we're excited. I mean, these, they're one, they're just, they make it easy as a little giveaway because we don't have to, you already put it together for us. And, uh, but two, yes. it's just, it's, it's so cool to give this stuff away to people because, especially the samplers, because most people seem to get kind of stuck in, not in a bad way, but with w one or two specific film stocks and then don't mm. leave like venture out which yeah this is a great opportunity for them to do totally. that i never think of it that way but i guess people have their favorites of what they shoot and maybe don't look around for other types of films yeah i mean well i forget about it and i think you and i we could be similar like if you're working in the industry and you have the opportunity to shoot film often you you're like oh i could shoot that whenever i want for the most yep. part so but like it's you know like films an investment you know like the other day i shot um some uh um cine still 800 or even portrait 800 mm -hmm. you know all film you know it's not like it's not cheap necessarily so like some people are worried to like invest money in something and then not know how it's going to turn out and that's a lot of times what we're doing it's like we mm -hmm. almost view it as like a public service on the dark room when we share creative effect film, um, like the Yadikas and stuff like that, we're, we're like, we're not saying you should love it or you should hate it. It's just like, this is what it is. So if you shoot it, you know kind of what to expect because right. we don't want you to be disappointed 
we want to know kind of what you're getting into so the money that you pay for it is you know you're happy with your results mm -hmm. yeah you you know uh if i could compliment you you are doing an amazing job with this instagram it is so active there are so many comments people are just so involved with it it's so great it's really a wonderful place to be folks listening and watching if you're not on instagram even john fideli is on instagram these days hi it's john fideli <laughs> so there's no excuse not to be if you're not check it out it's really a great platform trev uh, i want to talk a little bit to you what these days is your go-to grab-and-go camera and what film stocks have you been shooting lately mm. I, would, I mean, my grab-and-go would be a Nikon FM2. Like that, nice. That, I, like, I just love that camera, and I'm working for the darkroom. I'm always shooting a variety of cameras, which can get kind of convoluted, where I'm like, I have a bunch of cameras and a bunch of film. and But I also shoot personally as well, so like I like simplicity, and I'm always trying to find the perfect camera for me, and I feel like the FM2... I love SLRs, um, and and then I love that it can shoot up to a four thousandth of a second, so I can shoot wide open in daylight, and it's just small, reliable. I have the fifty millimeter pancake, like one eight, nice. and and, and then I have the twenty four two eight, and I'm normally not a wide shooter, but for some reason I love, like I love wide on on manual focus cameras. Like, for some reason, I don't like it the same way as uh, if I'm shooting, like, an autofocus. I have my my end-all film would be Portrait 400, but that's yes. very common for a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, like, my end-all film is Portrait 400. I just love it. Um, but I would say uh, black and white, I feel like I have a unique favorite film and for the most part, and that's uh, T-Max P3200. Oh, that is a unique one. So that I just love that film. Like I do like uh, Triax, and um, but it's just like I like that film P thirty two hundred because it's just every day, all the time. I shoot it indoors. It's great for documenting my like my family, my daughter, um, and if I happen to walk outside, it's still pretty good out in outdoors. Especially if I can shoot at four thousandth of a second. I'm not shooting like f twenty two. But yeah, I love that film, and then I've been shooting with uh, Lomo Chrome Metropolis. Nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah a, I haven't I haven't broken into that yet. It's for a, some reason. You had you were involved I did the with the Kickstarter. Yeah, I got yeah. the one twenty and thirty five, but I haven't uh, I haven't checked it out yet. Yeah. The good. It's interesting film. Yeah. It's cool. The folks at Lomography uh, constantly seem it seems once or twice a year are putting out special flavors as i call them so do you see that your uh followers are they are they digging the specialty films the metropolis the yodica the jazzy blues stuff like that you know it depends i the way that i use that film even if i wasn't like working with a dark room is like i talk about I call them a creative effect film. I don't know if that's like the official thing because Metropolis isn't a creative effect. I think it's an actual emulsion. Like they haven't like taken a Kodak like like 
Ultramax and tweaked it, like how, you know, like Psychedelic Blues or something like that. But I think the reason why I like it is I shoot a lot of things a lot. For instance, Yosemite, I used to live there and I go there a lot. So I don't want to take the same photos <clears throat> with the same stock all the time. So one, every once in a while, I'm just like, I'm putting Loma Chrome Purple in there. I'm going to change things up. And it's it's fun to see people's reaction to something that they see a lot in a completely different look. Um, so that's where it's fun and where I encourage people. It's like, you know, if you feel stuck in a rut with like what you're photographing, maybe try something different. Right. Um, like <clears throat> you guys are sending that low ISO or have that low mm -hmm. ISO film and we're going to be shooting some of it soon. That's completely outside of the box of, for what I would normally do. I like higher ISO stuff. Um, so that's something that will force me to either use a tripod or get outside. And I don't like tripods that much. So I'll probably get outside in, right. on oh. a bright day. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's the, a fun thing about film is like, there's depending on the stock, you have different limitations and it kind of allows you to go into a different, like, mindset space yeah. yeah mindset for sure yeah those limitations force creativity whether you like it or not like you have to work around a, a you know a certain problem mm -hmm. yeah I, I totally agree and that's why sometimes it's fun to leave portrait because you know you're like this portrait has no limitations right <laughs> right <laughs> i'm kidding it's too easy no it's 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 my, it's my grab and go film. I wanted to let you guys know too. I shot I've, well. I've shot with the Derev pan, the variety of them, multiple yes. times. And um, but I was shot with the Derev pan four hundred multiple times, and I love that film. Mm. And I actually had some of it. My dad's been shooting with. Well, I have it back now, but a um, Olympus Stylus Epic. Nice. And he, sh and he shot the Derev pan two hundred. And it turned out really good, which I usually don't always encourage people. I always, if they're shooting point and shoots, I try to encourage them oftentimes to shoot color mm -hmm. because color underexposed, you have, if it gets underexposed, <clears throat> like you don't have as much control over the exposure and you have color to separate the underexposure and it does well where black and white can kind of get a little muddy. But that film was amazing. It is, and it was it, really good. It looked good with the point and shoot, and even when it was underexposed, it looked good. We don't talk about it enough. We don't. <laughs> we this is probably the mm. first time that we've talked about Derev Pan Black and White in since the the dark probably room, the Pidea, yeah, the, the dark room shindig last year. So I'm I'm really happy. We spent months testing that film, so. I'm very happy that that the results have turned out to meet your expectations. It's a great film. It really is. No, it it reminds me of the way, like oftentimes the people asking for comparisons and it kind of reminds me of if I were to compare it to a popular well-known I would say T-Max in a way. Like it has kind of like the the nice pop, but with a little more contrast. Um, in my experience, and it, but it, I can get it for cheaper, and it it looks really good. Uh, yeah, I like it. Matt, you've said this so many times. Find a film, shoot it, shoot a few rolls, so you get a sense of how you feel about it. It's, it's hard to do a a one roll review. So. Yeah, it 
it's it's really you know it's a balance too because like i totally get uh you know trev's recommendation of getting that sampler pack but it's like um no matter i don't know like when you get started i did like a film of the week for a long time and if i didn't have maybe six ten weeks of shooting the same thing over and over doing a film of the week just felt like shooting in the dark but you know when you have that base to work from and that confidence then yeah go for it i mean there's so many so many good films that is that is a very good point i mean that's a lot of times i guess it depends on how you shoot but Mm -hmm. a lot like if i have a friend who's really serious or someone's asked like i have a friend my friend travis who lives in yosemite he's like what should i shoot and he's trying all these different black and whites and i was just like pick one especially with black and white i think black and white's one to stick because you have to figure out how like your exposure and like i feel like black and white film can be way more unforgiving than color film when it comes to underexposure and like if you mess up so yeah i would totally agree especially with black and white to stick with one for a, a bit is there any word from uh hq the dark room regarding another get together in 2020 or 2021 that's definitely something we would like to do and but yeah there's definitely a possibility of it happening by the end of the year and then but we would if we do that we'd love to live stream it and put it out for people oh that can't make it um but we've also we definitely the answer yes we would love to phil's working on it and i'm almost know as much as you do i hear about that stuff in spurts a little bit but outside of that we definitely want to keep doing stuff like what we're doing right now we've been doing a lot of different lives and we're going to do like we'd love to do another one with you guys where we just entertain people ask questions we've been doing the lives where the questions come up and Instagram, oh. we can just literally answer them right yeah. there. Like we had uh, Birgit from Lomo, which is a really good one. We've had Matt Day, Take Keo, um, Chris from Analog Talk Podcast, mm-hmm. a, a bunch of different stuff. So it's been cool to talk with people to see what they've been up to, how they're getting creative. Like, what have you guys noticed that your photography has changed um, during this time? Especially Matt, because you shoot a lot of larger format from what I've seen. So I imagine that might be a little more challenging. It's, um, I don't know. I'm still getting out there. Uh, I definitely was shooting way less in the beginning. And now it's like, I I got out, I think I like got out of my funk finally. And I'm starting to explore a a bit more. Uh, Some of the, the nature places I will, I'll go to a few of them are closed, you know, due to, um, distancing, but a lot of them, I was the only person there in the first place. So this, uh, the isolation kind of works to my favor for some of the things. Um, but I am shooting a lot more. I find it's, I start a lot more local. I, I'm not, I'm a little more timid to branch out as far as I was before, but it's, so it's a little bit less and, um, there's no like concrete, uh, plan for like a project, but otherwise still shooting. And now I'm, uh, doing the the whole video thing again i rebooted the youtube so i'm keeping busy with that Mm. instead how about you john what about me (laughs) well i'm just doing scanning Uh, i have (laughs) i have such a backlog of films that have already been developed that i haven't scanned so um i'm not really shooting right now almost down uh down to the end of it so once i get to the end of it then we'll send out another package to the dark room hey and I've I've completely ramped up 
the podcast, you know, going into video and I haven't been able to shoot as much as I like. And when I do, I'm forced to shoot all the new films that are not released yet. Mm. So I wish I could shoot a role of Portra. I wish I could shoot a role of Actar, but I can't because like I have a line of stuff that I need to, to test. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm getting, I've been doing this with everyone. Do you want us to pose? Yeah, do okay. Yeah, let's, we're gonna all do a pose. This is awesome. Sweet. Okay, ready. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I've been doing that with everyone I've done. It's been fun to. Fun, yeah. Fun. I'm, I should have like by the end of this phase that we're in, I'll have like a bunch of them. I'm put them, post them all. Trev, thank you very much for taking the time, and I'm hoping this is really the beginning. You know, of a regular check-in. Mm-hmm. I would I, seriously. Let's do it. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to. And 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 uh, a shout out to all the fine folks that work. You know, at the darkroom, uh, Phil and Keith, Joe, Tracy, everyone. You guys do such a fine job. And and if you guys ever have any questions that are listening, you know, send us a direct message. We treat our direct messages like right. customer service emails. Like we to give that right. Well, you know, I've been watching the news lately, and you know, there's a little unrest. I think if you guys don't start developing 110 soon, I think there may be you know a little shouting in the streets. Uh, <laughs> It'll be back soon. Okay, <laughs> we, we sell so much. We sell so much 110 film. It's well, I'm gonna a... be. I, <laughs> I'm gonna do a. I'll end on this. I don't want to take up too much time. I'm gonna do a comparison of these two. Uh, <laughs> the oh, two nice. That's great. My goal is. This gonna be a spoiler. This one's gonna win. So I'm gonna do it as like a joke where I'm just like more pocketable. This like more like yeah. like all the different things i'm going to play to the strengths and you know this will get image quality but this will you know this right. is everything auto else setting. this has no <laughs> auto setting to con you know but yeah but i can't do that until 110's back so <laughs> it'll be back we'll let you guys know we'll do a post about it great um, and send you guys a message once it's back in full production all right. Well, thanks so much for joining us, uh, Trev, and uh, everyone out there who's listening. Um, we'll be right back. joined by Caleb Savage from the Bushwick Community Darkroom. Hey, Caleb. Hi, everyone. Hey. 
Uh, Caleb is nerd in residence at the Bushwick Community Darkroom. That is in Bushwick, part of Brooklyn, in New York. Grad student at ITP underscore NYU. Web developer, getmylab.online. And you are documenting PA Cole communities. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I wear I wear a lot of hats. Actually, yeah. I forgot mm-hmm. my. I have a, I have a hat. It says Savage in big letters right on the front, and um, which is one of my most prized possessions. Uh, f- folks listening, uh, Caleb contacted the FPP and just said, "Hey, you know, you know, with all the crazy stuff going on with COVID nineteen uh, and shelter in place." Uh, Caleb just wanted to give us kind of an overview of what's going on in his film communities. How are you guys over there? Give us a little background of what the Bushwick Community Darkroom is and uh, tell us um, how's it been going uh, during these crazy times. Um, So for, uh, you know, the basic background, um, Lucia Rollo, who's our executive director, um, founded the Darkroom back in 2011. She had graduated from SVA about a year before that and was like, well, what do I do now? I don't have a darkroom. She saw that a lot of classmates and, and other uh, community members were kind of feeling the same way. But how are, how are we supposed to get started as artists in an analog field if we're all um, struggling to pay for lab rentals and you know, struggling to build a lab in our bathroom. Um, like what if we, what if we came together and, and made something that could uh, serve a, a broader section of the New York film community. So it started as a, as a closet in uh, his basement. Um, it moved into half a storefront and then a whole storefront. Um, and now we occupy the bulk of a uh, 4,000 square foot warehouse in Bushwick. The film lab operations kind of make up the, the bulk of how we operate as a business, but we also do uh, lab rentals, black and white, color darkroom. Um, we've also got a private darkroom and an alternative processes darkroom for mural printing and uh, cyanotypes and other non-silver processes, all of that good stuff, as well as classes and gallery shows and all kinds of community events. So it's been a, a massive effort by a lot of different people to get it to this point. Everything changed all of a sudden about two months ago. Surprisingly, we're busier than we've ever been before, probably in large part because a lot of our uh, a lot of our competition has been forced to shut down overnight, which is it's re- it's really a tragedy. I mean, we're mm. all in this together as lab operators. There's plenty of plenty of space for all the different labs to coexist. We're sending our um, our good vibes to all our, our lab operator friends who have uh, have really been affected by this. Because of how we're structured, we've been able to keep operating on kind of a, a contactless basis with only one employee in the lab at a time. So we're reinventing our workflows um, and reinventing how, how people get us their film and how we send it back. It's been a, a big learning curve, but um, it seems like people are really, really happy to have somewhere they can send their film or, or drop it off. And, and get it developed during these crazy times. You know, Caleb, that's very interesting because uh, I don't think most people think of a community darkroom as a place to go develop film. So you guys, in a sense, are unique. How how did you or how and how do you continue to get the word out that that you know that you could drop off and pick up film at a community darkroom? Like how how did that happen? Word of mouth is absolutely our our biggest uh, driver of expansion. 
kind of offering the uh, the drop off service started as as you know just kind of a a way to help keep the lights on, but it's really grown into being um, in in a lot of ways the primary focus of our business, especially while we're shut down and can't have our classes and can't have our gallery shows. We're working on figuring out a way for you know people to rent the dark room on a one at a time basis, like maybe just in the private dark room, but we've got, uh, you know, some logistics and sanitary protocols to put in place before we can get back to that. You know, as, as the ecosystem keeps changing and the, the lab market changes from something that was, you know, even just five years ago, people would default to bringing their film to a, a CVS or Walgreens, even though they were just sending it out to a, a large commercial lab someplace. Um, just because you know that was that was that was what we did in the '90s. But people are getting more excited about being part of a community of film photographers rather than just doing this for themselves on their own. The crowd of people that's getting into it is is changing. Even you know I'm I'm on I'm a younger millennial, as, as they say. Um, but even <laughs> even uh, we, we've got we've got people who are. Uh, you know, younger than me and really didn't even grow up uh, with film cameras in their lives. You know, my childhood and elementary school and middle school was all captured on film. You know, people whose baby pictures were taken on a digital camera are now mm-hmm. getting into the medium. What did, what do they do uh, when they, when they've got a disposable camera to develop, they, they Google film developing Bushwick. Um, and then we're the first first thing that comes up and then um it all kind of grew from there hey if you don't mind me asking caleb what are you shooting these days regardless form format uh type of film what what are you grabbing and going with i i've always been uh, a little bit of everything um from from 110 all the way up to 8 by 10 um these days i've been gravitating a lot more towards 35 millimeter after you know being into medium format and large format for such a long time, it's been nice to kind of um, get back into into snapping with a, a smaller camera. My favorite camera these days is a Yashica T4 Zoom. Um, and I got it nice. for, uh, for a crazy bargain. It goes where I go. It does what I need it to. It's nothing fancy. My, uh, my, my real loves are... Uh, Six by six, uh, six by six non-Hasselblads. Um, so I shoot with a, a Kiev 88 and a Bronica SQ um, a lot of the time. But I, I'm very fortunate in that my, my day job is managing the uh, equipment cage at the NYU Photography and Imaging Department. Oh, there you uh, go. <laughs> so I, uh, I get access to all of these wonderful, wonderful cameras and I have to know how to use all of them because, uh, you know, students will, will come to me adv- for advice. Um, so it's it's always really cool. It's it's a great job. It's it's really uh, really a lot of fun. <laughs> Thinking of it last week, Michael, when you were or was it last week? I don't know. You were talking about uh, your uh, equipment cage at the TV studio days. Um, oh yes, <laughs> and uh, yes, I, I I am a god to these students. Um, but I, I try and be a, a benevolent and, and merciful god. And I'm sure, just like John Catapano, John Fideli, mm-hmm. that that. You keep your eye out for like you like burgeoning talent. Yes, when you see someone who, if you have a, a line on a job, you're going to think of your best students. Sometimes, yeah, I, I try and be uh, real fair about it. The weird part of my job is I get to know all these students' personalities and their equipment needs very well, but I often don't get to see the finished products of their work. 
Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I like to just send that kind of stuff off to the listserv and, and let them let them duke it out. But it is um, it is really great to, you know, when you when you notice someone as a as a freshman who's who's got interesting technical questions, you know, like why 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 should I shoot it with um, with a rangefinder versus an SLR? Um, it's cool to to watch people's interest in these kind of mechanics develop. And um, sometimes sometimes I steer them over to uh, being lab assistants over at the dark. Uh, are you shooting any motion picture film? Um, I am. Uh, it's actually been, been a while since I, um, since I picked up my, uh, my Krasnogorsk 16 millimeter camera. Um, but I love that thing. I'm on the verge of, of starting to collect Soviet cameras cause they're all so, <laughs> so fascinating. But, um, yep. I've shot some, uh, I've shot some 16 millimeter out in, uh, North, Northeastern Pennsylvania coal country, um, mm-hmm. which is, uh, an area where I've got some family connections. I'm really kind of interested in the uh, industrial archaeology and the history of uh, workers' rights and labor in what is, in a lot of ways, the birthplace of the Industrial Revolution. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. I've got a, a really extensive still photo project, um, but I think it's it's asking for some some multimedia to be added into it, um, and I'm figuring out how I'm going to go about that. You're documenting the coal industry in Pennsylvania. Is this this ongoing? Is there ongoing? Um, I started the project um, in uh, March of 2012, so I guess wow. it's uh, a little over eight years now. It's been absolutely fascinating to watch how this part of the world changes. Um, it's a really, it's a really special place. It's complicated. It's difficult. It's contradictory. It's important to be, you know, paying attention to our neighbors a hundred miles west. My uh my family lived in in that area generations ago. Um and kind of the the way I began the project is is really asking, you know, what if um what if they what if they never left? Well put. Yeah. Well put. Well I wanna thank you for joining us. We definitely have to do this again uh when you guys are, are open all right. Thanks so much, Michael and Matt and John and uh, right. anyone else that I missed. It's been great talking with you. For All right. Folk, good luck to you, man. For folks uh, listening and watching, we'll be right back. Thanks, Caleb.
Hey, we're back. This is our mailbag segment of the Film Photography Podcast. Mailbag! <laughs> where we uh, talk about you, you folks that, that listen. And uh, first, I want to do a shout out to our subscribers, our super subscribers. New people this month? Yes. This show, the Film Photography Podcast, the project, everything we do, the school donation camera program, Everything is, uh, well, it's, a, it's listener supported and we cannot do it without you. And we put the word out last month about our donate button. This is where you can go and you could pledge a monthly subscription through PayPal, whatever you think, a dollar, two dollar, whatever you, you think, whatever you got, whatever. <laughs> Uh, and Matt, I, you know, I have to tell you, I mean, this is our 10th year doing this show. It oh, man. feels like it's the first year. Yeah, it, this, uh, you know, the silver lining with everything that's happening is we're, you know, we're kind of refreshing. You know, we're hitting a new, uh, a new medium a little bit more regularly. And it's, uh, it's cool to see what, you know, what we're going to do with it. It is. It is. I want to shout out to uh, uh, Catherine Moore. Uh, she is helping support the FPP. Thank you very much, Catherine. Thank you. Dig this. Darren Riley. All I see, all I see are Pancho? What? She misses just one garlic clove for the pleasure of smelling her fingers. And she fries it in oil with the mushrooms It savors the smell as it lingers Yep. Thanks, Pancho. Nice. Yeah, thanks, Pancho. He's all around great guy. And that cements it. Yes, we're going to have a, a segment coming up with uh, Darren. Yeah, we got to talk to him. You want to be in on that, Matt? Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, let's see. He better perform a live song. <laughs> No pressure. <laughs> Just saying, Darren. Uh, Michael Rattel. Thank you very much, Michael. Uh, Ken Mitchell. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. That's really, really awesome. This just in for the track, man. Oh, it's a track, man, got to say. He says, give me a dime, Rasso. <laughs> That's what he says. Give me a dime? Yep. And here is the track, man. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Track hat on, right? Hat on. Uh, th hey, Ken, thank you very much. You're awesome. You really are. It's 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 uh, Matt Conover. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate that. Uh, William Hamblin. Thank you very much, William. Howard Sandler. Thank you very much, Howard. So it's That's a it's lot. That's yeah. Great. No, it's it's really That's terrific. Uh, please consider. Uh, keeping us going and you know we're expanding our horizons the most exciting thing is direct um comments which we never had before with an audio podcast which is the fact that we're now on youtube mm -hmm. and youtube gets comments so yeah, the, the last show that the most recent show we posted as of this recording was i believe fpp 252 uh, matt mm -hmm. you were part of that yes, sir. um what do people have to say there, a lot of lot of positive stuff. Uh, let's see. 
Glenn, negative stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll read the I'll read the funny stuff. Uh, the way it's growing, Matt's hair is going to be the first human thing to reach Mars. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Um, Rod, I don't know if this is a a, a ding or a, a compliment, but a I'll ding. read it anyway. Uh, oh my God, you guys look as beautiful as you sound. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a ding. I know that's fine. I'll, I'll still that's stick cool. to the audio version though because I, I mainly listen in the dark room. <laughs> and in the bath. <laughs> okay. Oh. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. I just remembered when watching the advert, it was Kodak 127. The ads work. Oh, um, the ads, yeah. Yeah. Um, Matt's information on box speeds and developing, fantastic. That's a guy who knows how to develop film. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. You guys are so gosh darn, just edited, uh, entertain, entertaining. So glad I discovered FPP. Just received my package from the FPP, T-Max, and some black and white 110. Gonna try some T-Max in the Argus C3 I picked up for a dollar at the thrift store today. Oh, Such wow. an amazing looking camera. Anyway, thanks for all you do. Stay healthy up there in Jersey from Ralph Hoskins. Ralph. And I can never find a C3 for a buck. I know, right? Lucky. It's great. Uh, let's see. Uh, John says, thanks for the, the video. I think YouTube is the place for it to be, and the podcast should come from that. And then uh, thanks, guys. See you soon. Joey Covington, Andrew Meek. Thanks, guys. So, no, over, overly pretty positive. So. Which kind of is amazing for YouTube. <laughs> it really is. And, uh, you know, uh, especially in the photography world, things can – Things can go south really, really quick when you start talking about, you know, people's opinions and polarizing well, things. <laughs> if you want to talk about a heated debate, the heated debate is the video on remjet removal. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh yeah? Controversial. Oh, yeah. That's where folks get... Now, Matt, you don't deal with too many uh, films that have a remjet that you need to remove. Uh, no, I, I think I maybe did it once and I was like, oh, this is a mess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we won't discuss it here, but if you're listening, regardless of whether it's, you know, remjet removal or using stop bath, not using stop bath, I think it's important for people to know that, you know, we're just giving our perspective on things. And I don't want people to think that we're slamming our fists down on the table saying, this is the way to do it because it's just, not how we feel about things. I mean, I could only relay how we do it. And many times regarding stop bath, regarding rem jet removal, myself, John, Matt, Leslie, Mark D, Marco, we all seem to adapt to the same, you know, style. Uh, in the case of Kodak Vision 3 motion picture film, we shoot it in our still cameras and we've never experienced an issue with rem jet removal we don't even think about it. We just do it and we move the rem jet with our thumb and we don't, don't make work. a big deal about it. Yeah, we don't make a big deal about it. The fact that little particles of rem jet are floating in your developer, I mean, that is a big question. I think, Matt, people are thinking that that black carbon base floating around in your developer is detrimental to your developer. I mean, sure, you could just use one of the, like a filter funnel, done. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. So it back in and filter it like a coffee filter. Wait till it's at the end of its life and then dump it. Yeah. Yeah, it'll settle. So, yeah. 
But when you get to a hot button topic on photography, film photography, you get a lot of varying opinions and people get very emotional. At least I yes. think they do about well, emotional. Yeah. It, well, it feels like, you know, somebody dings your favorite thing or something you've been doing for years. You feel like it's a, it's a personal attack and we all have our own, yeah. you know, we all have our own stuff that we're into. Well, the hot new thing now is uh, a company selling Remjet remover and, you know, it's like, look, I, I'm just telling folks, I don't use it. That's all. I'm, I'm not saying don't buy it, but I don't know why you would because it's not necessary. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's like, I guess I can't believe it exists. It's like, and I don't, I don't have the final word, but I believe, I think Leslie told me this, who uh, interviewed, remember the gentleman who was at the, the Finlay events who used to work for Kodak? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think Kodak uses remjet removal. I think it's high-pressure water and uh -huh. heat. I don't think there's any chemical process removing remjet. I mean, it would, it would make sense if it was, yeah, like a, like a dollars and cents thing. So if there was a way they could do it uh, at scale inexpensively, you could make a, an argument for either of them, just depending on what the, the labor is. Yeah. You know who would know? Sinistil. Well, they're removing that damn remjet from all of their film that they sell. Hmm. Talk I to don't the know. brothers. Talk, <laughs> John, talk to the brothers. Let's talk to the brothers. <laughs> yeah, we'll get, uh, we have uh, some, some boxes still available. We'll get the brothers in here. Yeah. <laughs> John, you got any letters over there? Yeah, I got one letter. Oh, yeah? What's that? Um, it's from Dana Brigham. Yes. And he's talking about uh, you need to post more Super 8 and Double 8 millimeter videos with awesome soundtracks. Maybe you can sell some of Matt's excess hair through the FPP store. <laughs> that's uh, that's gross. On my head and head out with my trusty Bell and Howard. Howell. Howell. Howard. <laughs> Bell and Howell FD35. We'll start packing up the point and shoots to get them off to you guys. Thanks. Thanks, Dana. That's all I got. Yeah. That's all you gave me. You're not getting a haircut, right, Matt? Uh, I mean, I might, you know, sometimes the sides grow faster than anything else. Mm. So, like, I have to keep the mad scientist thing in check. What the hell? It's a but, David Lynch. Oh, there you book. go. David, thank you. Yeah, I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to keep going with it. You know, uh, it hides some of the, the increasing amount of gray. If I grow my beard out, Mike, yeah, I'm going to have, I'm going to have like a white beard before anything else. Everything here is white. It's crazy. Really? Yeah, Ooh, that's I wonder what weird. that's like. If if folks out there have uh, any comments or anything in detail, uh, shoot us a email podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. What? And for you folks that are still have your typewriters out, you could send us an uh, a you know a letter. You could send us a letter. Dear FPP. That's right. Uh, when. Will Matt become available? He's so hot. Love you. And although I've been talking up our donation button, because you know why we never asked for donations before? Because we were always telling people to send us sugar. Yeah. Right. That's true. <laughs> it's true. We're like, oh, it was always like, oh, we're out of treats. Hey, hey! 
Hit that mailbag. <laughs> yeah, we, we just asked for them last time. So, yeah. Well, yeah. don't ever stop asking for treats. But, no. You know. No, we still have our uh, what, Reese's. This bag has been here for like, what? Almost a month. Yeah. Still, go, still, still like going. Still going. full. Yeah. That's impressive. You got peanut butter on my chocolate. Well, you got chocolate in my peanut butter. Oh, so many pieces. All right, so we'll be back in a minute. Hey, we're back in our neck. Hey, guys. Hey, hey, Mike. (laughs) Where you been? We got a uh, we have another jam pack segment coming up. Uh, we're gonna be pack peewee. Yep, we're gonna be joined <laughs> joined by uh, Sean Augustin, and hey. also Joseph Joby Brunges. Joby has been on a sh- on this show many times. Yes. Now, Sean, we have uh, talked about Sean in the past because he works with. Um, first of all, he's in Columbus, Ohio. Matt. Yes. Yeah. Worked with him a lot at. Uh at midwest and seen him uh, here and there out shooting and uh, he's attended a few uh the classes that we have so sean sent me a, a message on instagram talking about parman positive paper four by five which is also available in eight by ten yes and I, he sent me some pictures and it just inspired me i was like oh my god a, a positive paper we never talk about parman positive paper and it's such an awesome thing and it sells very well at the FPP online store. But, and years ago, Joby handed me a box. Like, <laughs> like Mike, you got to try this. It's positive paper. Um, so I said to Sean, well, why don't you come on the show? What show? For folks listening, uh, Sean, he'll be with us in a second. He's a street photographer and artist from Columbus, Ohio. After serving his country in Iraq for two years and returning home with seriously injured back and post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, As part of his recovery, he took into art therapy where he learned he had a natural talent for painting. When a therapist recommended he try photography, he hit the streets with his camera, and over time, it helped him to reduce his stress and anxiety to the point where he was almost completely off medication wow that is impressive today he is a successful artist with many gallery showings under his belt an avid street photographer and he helps other vets use photography and art to deal with their own ptsd that bio by the way is from streetphotographymagazine.com i want to thank those folks wow and as many times as we've had joby on uh the show what show? I don't think we've ever told people who the hell he is. Nope. Let me send these guys. Who is he? <laughs> Besides Joby. Joseph Brunges is a Wilmington, North Carolina native who currently lives with his wife, daughter, and assorted pets in Walnut Cove, North Carolina. Sounds cozy. 
Joseph received his photographic training from the International Center of Photography and the Center for Alternative Photography, both in New York City. He first learned film photography from his dad, John Henry Brunges, while he was in middle school. Hmm. He has been a guest on the FPP many times and also the large format photography podcast. He currently teaches wet plate collodion and large format photography at the Sawtooth School for Visual Arts in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Hmm. Now, folks listening, now you know who Joby is. And now you know who Sean is. But Let's Matt, see them. who are we? <laughs> who, are, who are we? That's the big question. Yes, John. Who, who is who, anybody? Who, who? Do you really want to know? Up. Oh. You're Sean. Let's let Sean in. Let him in. Let him in. Hey, Sean. There's Sean. Hey. Hey. Hello. Hey, we're now joined by uh, Sean Augustine. Welcome, Sean. Hi, thank you. And at the very bottom, at the anchor, is Joseph Joby Brunges. Hey, everybody. This segment started when Sean was kind enough to send me an Instagram message talking about the Harmon positive paper. Uh, that's what it's called, Matt, right? Just, it's just Harmon yeah, positive the paper. the Harmon direct positive. Yeah, you direct got it. Direct positive paper. Mm -hmm. And you sent me some images. And Sean, I have forgotten what an awesome, you know, I don't want to say film because it's paper. Right. Of how, how great it is. So before we ask you some questions, Matt, what is direct positive paper? Sure. So it's a paper that's uh, set up. So instead of for enlarging from a negative, you can load it directly into the back of your camera, uh, preferably a large format camera. Otherwise, you might have a harder time. So uh, it's pre-cut in 4 by 5 and 8 by 10 sheets. And you can just go outside and shoot it. Uh, it's a significantly lower speed than you might be used to with traditional films. Um, and it's, it's pretty contrasty, but you can also play around with that. But it's, it's just a nice way to get a, a result directly. There's no negative in between what you're shooting are uh, originals and they just have a neat look. Uh, Sean, how, how did you discover this paper? Uh, and, and how did you start shooting it? Um, I discovered it on the film photography project website. What? And <laughs> Yeah. We never talk about it. We never and, uh, talk about it. Well, I was just, I went, you know, to get 4x5 film and some other stuff, and I saw it, and I was like, oh, what's this? And then read up about it a little bit, saw some other images people have been shooting with it, and I was like, oh, I'm going to try this. This sounds, um, you know, really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And so uh, recently I did um, the one-on-one -on -one printing darkroom class with Matt and so I've been dying to like start doing stuff in the darkroom so this just fit right in folks listening this is not a setup I swear to god I had no <laughs> idea shameless plug I had no idea that Sean discovered this uh, paper at the FPP uh, website store and I had no idea that Sean did a one-on-one uh, uh, -on -one with Matt a small world yeah, <laughs> yeah. so 
<laughs> and, and Sean, do you do you like sashay into Midwest Photo Exchange uh, occasionally? Quite often. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And how long have you been shooting four by five? Um. So right before the pandemic, I I got a Graflex camera, and so not not very long. Mm. And are you currently using an Intrepid camera? Correct. With the Graflex, the you know you don't have all the movements, and then I I started seeing um, stuff with the Intrepid camera, and got one of those um, mostly because it gave me all the full movements, and I was finding using the Graflex there was stuff I wanted to do that I really couldn't do, and so went with the Intrepid. And like what? Talking to a novice well, here, Sean. <laughs> well, I guess, um, like I wanted to be able to use the back till and, and front till and the swing and shift. And I couldn't really do that with the Graflex. It, you know, just kind of went out and had a little bit of front till. Hmm. I don't know what that means. So, uh, so I need, and I'm not even joking, folks. I need a one-on-one -on -one with Matt Mirage. I am scared. <laughs> To, to tilt anything. I just, I just, you know, unfold my four by five camera. I'm like, don't, don't, don't touch it. Cause once you start tilting it, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like Matt, I, I must've said that to you uh, at least half a dozen times when you're setting up the camera here at FPP and yep. you start tilting it. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're going to put it back the way you found it. Right. Yeah, You get so nervous. Like it's made of glass or something. Matt. Well, it's like, I, well, I, I, Sean, I think it's great because I, to this day, have not done like shifts and tilts. Yeah. So, did you learn that from Matt? I did. Watch, watch, <laughs> talking to him at the uh, shop and watching his YouTube channel and, and uh, That's yeah, awesome. just kind of hand, hands-on type of person. So I just had to, you know, try stuff and yeah. figure things out. Mike, that's one of the beauties of large format is you can shoot it completely straight like a regular camera and get exactly the results you want. Or you can start moving the things around and seeing what perspective control does for things. It makes things in the foreground larger, it makes them farther away, it makes them in focus, makes them out of focus. It yeah, starts yeah. to get really interesting at, um, when you start playing around. And as uh, Matt usually says, don't be scared. <laughs> I'm hoping that some of your guys' patience will kind of like bleed through these boxes into me because I'm just so impatient. I'm just like, okay, okay, let's get the shot. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Next, next, next. Okay, great, good shot. Okay. My goal is by oh, FPP. <laughs> What's that? What's that, Matt? By FPP episode, I don't know, 350. That's my goal. We'll have you experimenting with with a little bit of like tilt or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Joby, when did you first discover the the direct positive paper? Well, I got into it, I think, um, early on, I think around 2012 or 2013 is when I first heard about it. And I bought some and the early boxes of 4x5 were actually not cut correctly to fit in film holders. They were exactly 4x5 oh, no. inches. So it, there was this extra tediousness of trying to have to trim it down on one edge or the other to get it to even fit in a film holder. And so that was a little disappointing. And then I shot it for a little bit, uh, probably shot maybe two or three boxes of it and just kind of went, 
uh, it was right when I was right before I got in the wet plate. So the wet plate just kind of took over and I kind of dropped it. And that's why I brought you a box that time when I came to visit you guys, because I had gotten so, you know, engrossed in the wet plate stuff. There wasn't anything else on the planet to, to think about at that point. So I had an extra box. So I brought it to you to play with. But uh, that box was also one of those boxes where you had to trim it down to get it to fit and stuff. But the new boxes, they switched that very quickly within a year or two of, of, of them releasing it. They realized that most people were shooting in cameras and not printing with it. Mm -hmm. And so they decided to, to make all the sizes fit film holders as opposed to the standard exactly 8x10, exactly 4x5. So are you saying this is a fairly new product? The last 10 years, yeah. Yeah, around 2011, 2012, something like that was when they first introduced it. Mike, I remember the first time I saw some direct positive. We were still doing, um, we were putting together like Flickr galleries, I think it was. Yes. I'm like, look, I'm looking at my galleries right now and there's this really spectacular uh, self-portrait of uh, Mr. Jeremy North and that was uh, 2011. At, uh, at one of the shows that Ilford had set up a booth, the Harmon booth, and they were doing direct positive portraits. And that, when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is, some, this is some cool stuff. Do you shoot it often or how often do you shoot it? I've, I think I've only gone through a box of that stuff. The person who keeps pulling me back into that is, uh, is my buddy Stephen Takis because he's, that's what he did his original Brownie in Motion project on was all the Harmon paper when he could still get it in a roll. And I'm, I'm not sure if that's special order now, but I know it's a lot harder to get a hold of it outside of 8x10. Uh, well, you mentioned Flickr. I'm wowing Flickr because... Uh, I yeah, Flickr. <laughs> Sean, Sean, are you on Flickr? I'm not. Okay, don't worry because no one else is. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not. They they aren't. Repopulate Flickr with film shooters. I'm not trying to be a bummer here, folks. But for the folks that are they're dedicated to Flickr.com, they get a little upset with me if I start you know, like, "Hey, I'm you know." But, but the fact is, I can't get anyone to come on to Flickr. It's just, it's a great platform, Matt. You talk about you could set up galleries. There's all sorts of things you can do, but it's you know. Maybe if someone's listening that works or knows someone that works at Flickr, now's the time. Get this reignited, right? Mm, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of a new person to Instagram, and the more I use it, the more I hate it for photography because it's just... Oh, really? Yeah, it's just this tiny little yeah. you know, version of things. And, and being a large format shooter, posting something that small is just kind of defeats the purpose. See? Yeah. And it's good it's reason, just, Mike. And just the... the the whole ability to search for photographs that are of the same subject. I mean, Flickr to me <clears throat> was ideal because it had, it had, um, you know, keywords that you could search under. It had groups that were dedicated to film, paper, you know, um, lens, camera. I mean, you could, you could look up any possibility and it was all there. I mean, it's still a wonderful resource for that, even though a lot of people have kind of bailed and, and taken their photographs with them. But it, it's, um, it's vastly superior to, to Instagram, in my mind. I mean, Instagram is just full of so much junk. I mean, really? Like, yeah. I, I love it. I love it. Well, Matt's not on Instagram. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just, I never made yeah, it. But Instagram that. isn't Re like <laughs> Well, John Fidelli's <laughs> new to Instagram. Are, are you? It's a nice way to get in touch. Like Flickr is just specifically photographers and, and people who take photos and love photos and 
Yeah, the ability to look is at social media and photographers. So. Right. The ability to look at a higher resolution version of it. I mean, looking at a picture people's pictures on my phone, I kind of lessen its worth. You know, when I can see it on my computer in a big screen or look at it on an iPad in a big screen or something, it, it, it improves it for me. But that's, mm. you know, being a large format junkie, it kind of, you know, I'm always wanting to see more detail. I'm always yeah. wanting to see bigger sizes. Well, I'm digging the Instagram. Uh, Sean, what is your opinion of the Instagram? Are you, are you enjoying it? Is it, is it useful for you? Yeah, I, I enjoy using it. Um, but I agree. I wish I could uh, post the photos bigger, um, you know, be able to see a higher resolution and stuff too. Um, seems kind of silly, the little tiny picture, especially with the four by fives, it seems like I have to put it on another um, Matt, so to say, to, you know, get the full thing to show up. We're going to get Flickr back on the map. <laughs> it's a great format, but, you know, it's been bought and sold a few times. And why are you so like uh, wishy-washy about it? Because I go to Flickr and there's no one there. <laughs> <laughs> but where else is there to go really to like to that scale? To look for, for you know what I use Flick, I use Flickr to post a picture so that I could easily push it to Instagram. That's yeah, why I use it. <laughs> yes. So Sean, we read your bio, and um, you initially contacted us contacted us because of the work with photography you were doing with fellow veterans of war. Um, yeah. Is, is that project still ongoing? Yeah. I, obviously, right now, not with the pandemic. But um, I do stuff like I go to the VA hospital and teach classes there to the veterans that are uh, going through treatment and um, do stuff with like Wounded Warrior Project, uh, taught classes there on film developing and, um, you know, just going out in the park and shooting a roll of film, gets them some exercise and then we come back and develop the film. What's what's the feedback from from mm -hmm. veterans? Of, I mean, just the just how what is their reaction to you coming in and even proposing using uh, photography? Oh, they they like it. I think um, I mean they're kind of kind of like how I was. It gave it gives you something to uh, focus on and get this stuff that's in your head out of the way and kind of just work towards something and. Um, you know, get back, get back to normalcy, so to say. <laughs> right. When, before you got involved with that project, were you, a, were you shooting film before? I, I wasn't like into photography. I've, I was into painting and stuff. And I went to, there's a organization called Creative Vets and it's run by um, other veterans and they send you to Chicago, to the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Nice. And you're there for three weeks and you're introduced to like pottery, ceramics, uh, um, painting, drawing, uh, photography. Well, when it came time for the day that, that we were introduced to photography, the assignment was we had to go and do uh, a self-portrait. And he, you know, he said, I don't want a selfie. I want you to kind of be creative. So 
I was like not really into the photography. So I thought, well, I'll just go over to this big reflective beam and take my reflection and call it a day. <laughs> well, I went over there not thinking about how, you know, all the tourists would be there and how crowded it would be. And so for someone with anxiety and PTSD, that can be pretty overwhelming. And just as I was about to like bolt out of there, I saw a guy and girl with their cell phone angled at the beam to get a, a selfie picture. And just as they kissed, I raised the camera and took a picture. Oh. I stepped back and then like was looking at the photo and I was like, oh, wow. I'm like, they didn't even really notice that I did this and you know, if they did, they, you know, they didn't really say anything about me doing this. And so I was like, oh, I wonder if I can, um, you know, get some more shots like this. So it kind of, my attention right there went from the anxiety of being in a crowd to now with this camera. And I'm like, maybe people aren't looking at me mm -hmm. the way that I'm thinking they are. And uh, so I wound up staying there all day, um, taking photos of people and stuff, and it just sparked something in me. And then from that, I, uh, you know, because that was a digital camera. And then from that, I um, just started learning about film and really got into film. I liked the whole hands-on aspect of it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's awesome. That really is awesome. Uh, for folks listening in Chicago, if you go to Chicago, there is a big bean in the <laughs> middle of like a square. It's a big metallic bean. And I've been there. Matt, you at the bean? Uh, not since I went to the Vivian Meyer uh, exhibit at the Art Institute, but yes, uh, that was the only time I think. Yeah. How about you, Joe? You've been to the bean? Nope. No, Never you have been. one down by you? <laughs> I don't think we have anything comparable. Okay. I saw a big ear of corn in uh, South Carolina. Oh, okay. Uh, Sean, how did you, so you started with 35 millimeter. Did um, that's like that kind of uh, sparked your imagination? And then from there, you started uh, discovering different, uh, different uh, formats of film? Correct. I saw the uh, documentary on Vivian Meyer. Ah. And I was like, oh, what's this film? Uh, what's this camera? And started searching out, got a, a Raleigh cord and started shooting that. And I don't know. I've went through a lot of cameras, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, how did you, what tipped you over the edge to go large format? Um, I think I, because I like the negative like the the four by five negative is like a piece of art in itself to me i would frame them and hang just the negative i like them so much and so i uh you know just started getting into it matt's head is in a cloud right now because he's like doo, 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 doo. No, <laughs> large great. negative wow it is, it is Joby, when did you first uh, uh, discover large format? Because, I mean, Joby, you, I mean, 
were you kind of influenced by your dad and the amount of photography he was shooting and that? Is that oh, oh yeah. Yeah. He taught high school photography for 30 years. So I grew up hmm. around a dark room. Um, they gave me a little point and shoot 35 when I was in middle school and I used to take it to school and shoot all my friends and I still have all those negatives, which is fun. And he would develop the film for me, but I would go in and print, you know, in the high school dark room and I, when I was in middle school and I thought that was just a blast. And then I um, broke a couple cameras and my parents decided <laughs> I didn't need another one. So I kind of abandoned it for a long time. And then oh. uh, when my daughter was born in 2006, I thought, oh, I'm gonna get a really nice digital camera. And I did that and just got kind of bored. And then um, yes, bored. That's what I think I bought a Holga and shot a real Holga and had it processed and saw the look again. I went, oh, I've forgotten how beautiful film was, you know, and what it was. And so from there, I bought, I went and bought a 35. I was, I was a Canon. I'm a Canon guy. Yo, Canon. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else? Oh, oh my, my dad was an icon shooter. My brother's an icon shooter. I'm kind of the black sheep. I just started slowly getting bigger and bigger cameras. I got a Pentax 645N. And as soon as I saw a medium format negative that was crisp and clear, I mean, I'd seen the Holga, but that was the Holga. Um, as soon as I saw a beautiful negative like that, I just started getting bigger and bigger. I got my Chamonix 4x5N. 2011 and I was moving I was moving from North Carolina to to upstate New York I'm a musician I was studying conducting at, a, a, at Bard College in upstate New York and the day I was moving out it showed up like out the mover was there and the, I was about to, we were about to leave and it showed up that day and it was so exciting because then as soon as we got to New York I started playing with it and I thought four by five was all I needed because like um like Sean said, the, the negatives are beautiful. There's so much detail there, so much information. And then uh, I got into wet plate and realized that four by five seems really small. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as soon as um, I moved again, I bought a, a Chamonix eight by 10 and just never looked back. And now if you see in the background, there's yeah, now a oh, Chamonix 11 by 14 cool. sitting back there, which is the bomb. <laughs> um, the only problem with it is that scanning, scanning negatives, scanning prints is a little bit of a pain with an Epson V700. You have to scan it in four parts or two parts, oh. but uh, it's doable, but it's, it's a bit of a pain, mm. but the results are fantastic. So uh, when Matt, when Mike, you know, asked me about um, participating in this little chat, I got some more of this paper and I thought I'm going to shoot some this week. So, you know, so I'd have something to show off. So I, um, you know, one of the interesting things about this paper is that it's pretty high contrast. It's like a high, it's like a three and a half or a four mm -hmm. paper, uh, if you're relating it to the, the, the negative side of it. And people pre-flash this paper to try to bring it down, or they do things, they put filters in front of the lens to try to bring it down. And my approach, even back when I was shooting before, was to just try to embrace subjects that would enjoy the extra contrast as opposed to trying to tame it the whole time. So I had, um, for Christmas, I gave my wife this really neat teapot um, from one of the um, artists at this school where I teach. And so here's, you know, the little four by five of this teapot that I shot and the high contrast just was worked mm -hmm. perfectly for it. Oh, I didn't nice. Yeah. Have to do anything for it. But of course, you know, I had to pull out the 11 by 14, you know, <laughs> 
Oh man. That's a lot cooler, I think. That is. So bigger is always better, Mike. Okay, that's what I hear. (laughs) (laughs) The real real... you're talking to the guy who's shooting, you know, eight millimeter moving pictures. Yeah. Well that was the funny thing. I was about I was gonna come on today and go, okay, I'm ready to talk about regular eight. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there'll be another time for that. The paper, actually, uh, the re- one of the reasons I wanted to start shooting again during this is that with wet plate, you use a lot of rubber gloves, and they're just not available right now. So I'm down to my last box of rubber gloves. And so I thought, well, it's something else that I can do that's, that's an instant positive where I don't have to clean up a huge mess and, and wear gloves. And so this this paper has been really a treat to play with this week because it's 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 a finicky thing, just like wet plate is. It's, you know, it's... Um, orthochromatic so it sees blue so metering for it outdoors is really hard you almost have to know it like you know wet plate where you have to kind of be able to guess exposures the light meter will get you close but it's it's so edgy this paper you have to be within a third of a stop to half of a stop to really nail it um it the the i forgot that it dries down like paper does so you know you get a really hot white and and you think you're there, and then the next day you look at it, and it's gray because it's dried <laughs> down. It's dried down ten percent. So, but that can be to your advantage because I had a print. I thought I had totally blown out the highlights, and then the next day it looked great. Um, when they first re- introduced it, it was actually they had RC and fiber-based paper, and they just completely dis- discontinued the RC for some reason. So it's only fiber-based. So that is a bit of an added inconvenience because you have to wash it longer. Of course, I use the FPP archival wash to cut down that time. Nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ding. <laughs> that takes an hour down to 15 minutes, which is nice. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it doesn't, when it dries, it starts to curl and everything. So you have to flatten them out and press them a little bit. So there, there are extra disadvantages to shooting it, but it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. And, you know, if you want something that's a one, one of a kind, just kind of like I, one of the reasons I like shooting tintypes is it's an object as much as it is a photograph. And that's kind of what these are. They're, they're little objects. They're one of a kinds. You know, it makes them more viable to me. In, yeah. In hey, Matt. Hey. Why don't you get Ilford on the horn? And uh, what happened to the resin-coated version of this paper? Um, I th- <laughs> you're talking to me. Oh no, I'm talking to Matt. Oh, oh. hey. <laughs> uh, oh, actually, uh, hey, Joby. Who? So is Matt in the upper left on your screen? I have all of you in a strip here on my what? right. What? <laughs> He's looking at so, a different view. So, uh, Matt, Mike, you're number one. Matt's number two. Sean's number I'm three. And one. sorry, John, you're down at the bottom. It doesn't make you any less important. Though. Yeah. Mine's all just one. How's that? Like I, like I see you when you talk. And oh, then when Matt talks, yeah, that's, that's the Matt. gallery or the yeah. talk view. Yeah, oh, it's the highlight. View. If you I could, switch to gallery view, it kind of puts, I guess it puts you in the center and the mic's here, Matt's here. You could switch Sean. to gallery view, Sean. Oh, he's, Sean right. is on speaker. And you can get yeah, all of us. Yeah. <laughs> so if you go to the upper right-hand corner, it'll say view. Oh. Well, I'm so I'm sorry to report that we have to go. Oh. John, what's the catchphrase? I don't know what. Oh, come Wouldn't on! Wouldn't I gotta go? Thank oh. you, Joby. <laughs> Joe knows it better. All right, than forget I about John. Uh, Joby, what's the catchphrase? 
Jordan, I gotta go. <laughs> That's a good one. It is a good one. There's so many catchphrases. Who can remember them all? Uh, folks, you can write to us podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Jordan, I gotta go. I really do want to hear from you folks. Uh, this is something new. You know, I mean, we, we, you know, I mean, Joby's kind of drifted in here and there. Uh, Sean, you're brand new to the FPP. Special Thank you. guest star. Yeah, special guest star. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks for having me. And I, and I think, I really think it's, it's really great what you're doing, what you've done. Uh, it's inspirational, the fact that you are bringing art to, to uh, veterans. Um, and, uh, thank you for posting that on Instagram because, you know, I always say, you know, photography is a great way to inspire. People are seeing pictures and, you know, people see something in your photography. And I always say sometimes, you know, if you're thinking like, oh, I don't know if I want to post photography. I don't know if I want to post my pictures. People will see, see things in your pictures that you yourself maybe don't even see. It's a it's a such a wonderful way to communicate. But I want to thank you guys for uh, joining us. Yes, thank you. And, uh, yeah, and, thank uh, you. Well, all right, gents. I'm gonna sign off. It's good gonna... to see you all. Yeah, thank you all. Okay, I'll see you guys. Right, oh, hey, Joby, right, thanks right, for the film, man. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah, I still I need to kick over. you some money. <laughs> oh, I switched over to FP4, and I just had that, and I, I knew I wasn't going to use it. So I'm glad, like you said, I'm glad it's going into someone who I know will use it. And, Oh, yeah. It's already half a box out. <laughs> Good. See you guys. Like a sip of finest wine